0: the RTI time machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. and the destination, Taipei, 1894. In Taipei, there was a building that witnessed a major change. When it was finished in 1894, this quiet hall was meant to host imperial envoys, representatives of the empire that had ruled Taiwan for over 200 years. It wasn't enormous, but to any visiting VIPs, it would have been something comfortably familiar. The front doors are protected by fearsome paintings of door gods, armed guardians with long beards and lavish robes. The sloped roofs are covered in red tiles, the columns are beautifully painted, and complex interlocking woodwork keeps the roof up without the use of nails. But in 1894, this familiar imperial past was about to be swept away at a stroke. And as Taiwan shifted, the guesthouse would find itself in the middle of the action, playing changed roles under new management. This week, we'll be exploring what happened in these halls when imperial government gave way to Japanese rule. A series of foreign attacks in the 1870s and 1880s had exposed Taiwan's weak defenses and shown imperial China its strategic value. The imperial government elevated the island, giving it the status of a full-fledged province. The province's first governor set to work seeing that it was modernized and defended. He built Western-style fortifications and Taiwan's first railroad, and he laid telegraph lines connecting the islands to the rest of the world. Shortly after he left Taiwan, work on the guest house of Imperial Envoys began. It was built in the new, walled city of Taipei, added on to the deputy governor's offices there. That way, any high-ranking visitors to Taiwan's north could be appropriately received. But despite the experiments with new technologies and better defenses, Taiwan was still not prepared for a foreign attack. In 1894, the same year work on the Guesthouse finished up, Japan and Imperial China faced off in a war. The war was being fought over Korea, and at first, the conflict didn't affect Taiwan directly. But when peace terms were drawn up the following year, the imperial government was left with little choice but to sign Taiwan away. A few days into peace negotiations, a Japanese force had cut off Taiwan from the rest of the empire by occupying the Penghu Islands in the middle of the Taiwan Strait. Japanese negotiators had ensured that these islands and Taiwan had been exempted from the temporary ceasefire. In April, 1895, The Treaty of Shimonoseki confirmed that from then on, Taiwan would be subject to Japanese rule. By May, though, a group of leading figures on Taiwan had decided to mount a campaign of resistance. They declared the founding of the Republic of Formosa, with former governor Tang Jing Song as president. As its standard, the republic took a wild tiger against a blue background, The still-new Imperial Guesthouse was now turned over to helping organize the Republic's defense. There weren't going to be Imperial envoys showing up anyway. For a few days, the building found itself thrown into a doomed attempt to stop the takeover. The place is so quiet today that it's difficult to imagine the panic that must have spread through these halls when word came in June that Japanese forces had finally landed. They arrived in the port city of Keelung, just 20 kilometers from Taipei. The resistance forces, leftover imperial garrisons and militia volunteers, proved unable to do much of anything to hold back the Japanese advance. And the Republic's leadership didn't hold up much better. Tang Jing Song, the purported president, ran away, fleeing by sea to China soon after the initial landing. When Japanese forces entered Taipei a few days after arriving on Taiwan, they chose a site near the guest house to hold a ceremony marking the beginning of Japanese rule. The Republic soon retreated southward to Tainan, where it met its downfall in October. The island now had a governor rather than a president once again. There were big plans for this island, Japan's first official overseas colony, for this, the governor and his team would need a headquarters. They took what was on hand. What had once been the deputy governor's compound now became the Army Department. And to one side, the former Imperial guest house now became the Colonial Governor's office. A process of gradual change began as the new era unfolded. Taiwan cities had streets widened and walls torn down. Meanwhile, new official buildings in new Western styles of architecture began to go up. There was still resistance, but Japanese rule was being cemented, and these new buildings were just one way of showing it. Finally, in 1919, the completion of a new building, imposing with a tall brick tower in the center, rendered the guesthouse obsolete. The governor's office moved into the new building and didn't look back. This was the end of the Guest House's official career, but it wasn't the end of the building's story. The Japanese period is the reason why the building is in the place and the condition it's in today. By 1929, the old deputy governor's compound had been hit by decay and termite damage. It was decided to repair selected parts of the building and tear down the rest. The guesthouse was chosen as one of the pieces to be left standing. But there was another problem. The guesthouse was in the way. The land it sat on had been selected as a possible site for a huge public hall. And there wasn't much room for negotiating around the guesthouse either. As one of the biggest auditoriums in the Japanese empire, it was going to need a lot of space. For several years, debate about what to do with the guest house and the remains of the deputy governor's compound dragged on. Finally, it was decided to split them up and ship them to three separate locations. In 1933, this was done. Among the new homes for these bits and pieces were new hallmarks of Taipei under Japanese rule, including the first Taipei Zoo, the Guest House ended up in the Taipei Botanical Gardens, another Japanese creation. This is the only part of the compound that still survives. Here, the Guest House sat undisturbed for 12 years, among the trees, the chirping birds, and the croaking frogs. Here in this quiet new home, it would have been hard to believe that this building had been at the center of so much action just a few decades before. But even out of the limelight, the guesthouse was still standing. As the 1930s wore on, it saw a policy of cultural assimilation begin putting pressure on Taiwanese people to speak and act Japanese. And towards the end of the decade, it watched as a surge of militarism pushed Japan and Taiwan with it into World War II. Finally, in 1945, the Guesthouse saw a new shift. The 50 years of Japanese rule that had defined so much of its story came to an end. As part of its surrender, Japan handed over Taiwan to the Republic of China government. The building that had seen the Japanese period in had now outlasted it. Today, after stints as a dormitory and an exhibition hall, the Guesthouse of Imperial Envoys still sits in Taipei's botanical gardens. If you visit today, you can see from photos and drawings inside what it looked like. Displays of old wooden pieces still covered in faded paint show how the Guesthouse has been restored over time. Walking around, you're reminded of all the governors and officials who must also have walked these halls, and of all the decisions they must have made here, Walking away, you're also reminded of how the guest house got here, and of how Taiwan got to where it is, too. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time.